listening to Resurrection Life Podcast with your host, Father Steve Matson and Richard Budd, the podcast of the Church of the Resurrection in Lansing, Michigan. In today's episode, we talk about celebrating Christmas. We hear a reflection on purification. And we hear a poem by John Milton on his blindness, read by Mary Ellen Small. Welcome to Resurrection Life Podcast. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Welcome to Resurrection Life Podcast. This is your host, Richard Budd, and with me, as always, Father Steve. And uh, with us today is Sean O'Neill. Not just in your own little sectioned off portion of the podcast, but no, part right. of the conversation. That's right. That's right. I'm that's real this right. Now <laughs> you're part of the talking heads, right? That's right. Well, we're, Merry Christmas. Uh, we're on day two of Christmas, or is it day three? Day three. Day three. Day three. Okay. Yeah. So this is the 27th, the Feast of St. John the Evangelist. That's right. Um, and uh, I would ask you... Yesterday was Boxing Day, right? That's right, so, yeah. Boxing Day. But nobody and knows also, what that means. <laughs> well, let's, let's, let's have Sean talk about Boxing Day. Well, my understanding is that Boxing Day is simply the day on after Christmas where you get all the boxes that all the presents came in and get rid of them. That's it's as simple and as prosaic so, as so, that. So you, you didn't open gifts on Boxing Day? No. On they were getting day. okay, right? Yeah. So you get rid of the boxes. So that's what it literally is about. It's yes, just getting rid of the boxes. I just made the whole thing. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I, I thought it was. You, let's just celebrate Christ's birth, and on the next day we'll open boxes. I don't know. No, well, I don't know either. That's my <laughs> that's my uh, understanding. But it's also uh, the uh, the memorial of Saint Stephen, the the first that's martyr. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, is Boxing Day a traditionally Scottish holiday, or is that more of an English? No, it's uh, British, basically. Okay, all yeah. over. Okay. Yeah. So, right. doesn't matter what accent you have, you're still open those <laughs> you're boxes. Still, you're still working with the boxes. <laughs> That's there. right, yeah. Um, so, this, uh, this is a good week. We've got the octave. It's not the same as the octave of, of Easter, where every day is uh, solemnity. Mm-hmm. But uh, we've got some great feasts, obviously, uh, uh, John the Evangelist, uh, we've got the, the Holy Innocents, uh, we've got Thomas Becket, mm-hmm. and then this Friday, uh, the 30th, will be uh, the Solemnity of the Holy Family, mm-hmm. because uh, the octave, or the Sunday within the octave, there isn't one, uh, the Sundays are Christmas and the octave, so. Yeah, so on Easter, every single day is an octave, so we often... Uh... Like, well, every every single day is a solemnity. That's what I meant. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so, uh, Easter always comes with a, a meat Friday. That's right. Um, but Christmas is not the same. But since Holy Family falls on Friday, it's a meat. It's Friday. a meat Friday. <laughs> so feast. We're, we've been talking about fasting, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is you know we we were. Uh, Father Steve preached about it during Advent, and we talked about it on podcasts. It was important to fast during the appropriate times of the year to fast. But now it's a time to feast, and it's appropriate to feast. And, and to make sure we do that, I think sometimes, especially if we've been in the habit of following the world's way of celebrating Christmas on December 26th, the tree's out on the corner, you know, the decorations are coming down, the Christmas music is off the radio, and we're moving on with life. But to really celebrate and to to really have a Catholic worldview, we need to be feasting in the days following the the principal day of Christmas into the full season. That's right. 
So one of the ways that we're going to do that here at Resurrection is the Twelfth Night celebration. Uh, we started this last year, or was it the year before? Yeah, it was. Well, it was actually this year. Oh well, yeah, um, that's right. So in January of this year. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, last last liturgical year. year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. yeah. So could. Uh, I know we've been talking about it at the parish, but would you mind just kind of giving a little bit of background for anybody that might be coming to this new? So the Twelfth Night celebration uh, falls on the nearest Saturday to um, the Feast of the Epiphany. And basically it's a, a time when we can get together and share our talents with each other. And so we have a lineup of acts um, Varying from singers to musicians to, and this year we'll have dance as well. Oh wow! Yes, it won't be me though. Oh okay. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be Catherine Matson. Um, so uh, yeah, so the idea uh, started, I guess, in the Middle Ages. It became a feast where um, people ate and drank a lot and basically entertained themselves. So originally, I think it was a rural. Uh, way of celebrating the feast um, and we're just trying to pick that up so Mercy Hall will be decked out as something resembling a pub Okay. Um, and we'll have table decorations and various other things um, Piper Fountain designed three wise men made out of cardboard which are something Quite like impressive, actually. yeah they're amazing yeah. but um, they're like seven feet high okay and so we had them in the conference room at the parish office, and every time I went past the door, I did a double take and thought, who is that? And, <laughs> no, 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 and it wasn't just They're you. I mean, it, 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 they are impressive, and uh, uh, she's got a real flair for that. It, it's amazing how people have different gifts, and it's wonderful to have these kinds of events where people can utilize those things. We want that to be the case throughout our life. So we're going to have people singing, reading poetry, I guess. That's right, yeah. And uh, it sounds like my niece is going to be dancing. Uh, it'll be, she's, she's wonderful. Yeah, so it'll be great. So we'll have... Uh, food and drink. Eh? Food and drink, mostly. And a lot of conversation and a lot of celebrating. Uh, so that's basically the idea. How many acts are there going to be? This year there will be uh, 10 uh, or 11. It depends... Some people just drop out and some people are added to the program. So it may be 11. Yeah. Well, so so we, we, go ahead. Yeah, it. there'll be a break in the middle. So, you know, we'll have five or six acts in the first part and then a break and then about five in the second part. Yeah, what did we realize last time is it was more like a, uh, a concert. We didn't have enough time as much time to mingle and we want sure. to do that a little bit better. I think we, we had that feel a little bit uh, more... Uh, at Whitson when we celebrated right. uh, uh, Whitson with this same kind of uh, evening uh, with food and drink and uh, music and, and song and poetry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like this because, um, you know, we've, uh, you know, Father Steve, you've put such an emphasis on correct teaching and orthodoxy and making sure that we follow what the church teaches and we're authentically Catholic. But to be authentically Catholic is more than just getting the truth right. It's getting goodness right. It's getting, you know, right actions, but it's also getting beauty right. And 
while this is a good way of gathering the, the community together, it's also a way for us to share beauty with one another, mm-hmm. um, you know, through poetry or music or dance. These, these And the goodness of the incarnation, so the and, food and mm-hmm. the drink, right? Yeah. This is part of the, the goodness of God's creation. And beauty might seem like icing on top of the cake. Um, I think sometimes we might approach like good art and good um, uh, poetry and things like that. Not that poetry is not an art, uh, but... Um, we might treat it as extra where there was a quote that I heard. Um, I think it was from, um, Bishop Hillebrand from Chicago, uh, back in the early 20th century. Mm-hmm. He said that the, uh, the poor deserve art just as much as they deserve, or they need art just as much as they, uh, deserve, uh, food and drink. Um, because we need that to be human, to be fully alive as we need beauty. In well, our that lives. was one of the things that the, uh, the cathedrals prevent, uh, presented to people, they could come into the church for free mm-hmm. and see the beauty in the sculptures, uh, in the stained glass, uh, in the architecture. Yeah, that was, we had the uh, the, the um, nine lessons and carols for the right. Feast of the Immaculate Conception at the cathedral. Jeremy Priest um, kind of organized that. And it was just such a refreshing experience of beautiful music and reflections not only from scripture but from the fathers of the church and whatnot on on the gift of mary and you just left that night feeling uplifted um because you had an experience of beauty well and i heard it was a great response maybe even 400 oh yeah the cathedral was was, was, i'd say about two-thirds full okay excellent so this is another way i think um the fact that we're doing these cultural things as a parish, I think, speaks to Catholic anthropology as well, which is that we're a whole person. Mm-hmm. So I know that um, most people expect a parish simply to produce religious things or apparently uh, spiritual things, liturgy and so on. But I think um, there is something in that um, whole person kind of uh, experience of life and of spirituality mm-hmm. which is really important you know we are, we are we are human beings and we are we are incarnated as human beings and we experience the lord through our senses as well as in our emotions and our spirituality and i, I do think that that for us the the call that i've been feeling uh, to foster here at the parish is a culture that is uh a sign of contradiction to the world. Mm-hmm. So the real person-to-person, face-to-face, live experience that we're going to have at the Twelfth Night. But also, uh, you know, the, the organ is back. We're, we're getting that full-throated sound mm-hmm. again from, from the organ that uh, was, I don't know if it was installed at the time that the, the new church was built in 52 or if it came later. I should know that, but... Uh, it is good to have that organ back, that really the spirit breathing through it. And when we sing or we tell stories or we recite poetry, same kind of thing. The, the spirit is breathing in and through us, mm-hmm. uh, especially when we bring those arts to honor him and to give glory mm-hmm. to him. Yeah. yeah, it's easy to, have, I think, um, see that in the realm of the school, you know, uh, building up, you know, uh, the whole person, and not just the educational uh, math and science, and but athletics and music, and it's you know, etc. But to have that expand out into the rest of the parish is, I think, a unique 
effort of, of parishes, in, at least in the American church, to have the parish become a center of cultural development and not just, um, you know, religious uh, works of mercy or liturgy or, or things like that. So, um, well, you know, it, we had that uh, great uh, several year run of Lumen Veritatis, mm-hmm. and uh, I'd love to get some uh, talks in calendar year 2023. Again, we've, we've got some people that we're talking to. But I, I do think that the life of the mind, uh, the arts, the beautiful, all of this stuff is vitally important now, more important than I think it has been in the past. And uh, uh, hopefully at, at the masses this past weekend, you got a copy of both or one or the other of the two books that we're offering, which is Rod Dreher's The Benedict Option, A Strategy for Christians in a Post-Christian Nation, which is really talking about small communities trying to establish cultural uh, contexts within which families can hand on the faith to the next generation. And then the other book was John Senior's, Dr. John Senior's book, The Restoration of Christian Culture. And then we've got our Resurrection Magazine. Maybe talk a little bit about Resurrection Magazine, Sean, what's in this issue? So this is the, the third year and this is the Christmas edition and um, so one of the things that we did during the Oxroast um, was a talent show and Liz Hansen has got a really good article on how that came about and and what a difference it made to the Oxroast celebration. It was yeah, that was great. Yeah. We had a lot of fun watching that. Yeah, it was, it was excellent. Um, and then uh, one, another thing that we have in the magazine is uh, an article by Don Radke on the treasures of the church, which was an event uh, showing relics of various different saints. Uh, Don made the mistake of enthusing to me about the about that event, and I said, um, "Don, do you think you could write for the magazine on that?" Yeah, so the, the lesson is never enthuse. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Stay around, Sean. Yeah. Stay dead inside. Yes, you'll be a victim. Um, and then uh, Catherine Matson again. We've just been talking about her. Has done uh, an article on Irish dance, where she gives a little bit of the history, how she got involved, and what's what's contained in Irish dancing. Um, a testimony from uh, Dominic Ioko, who's the president of Lansing Catholic High School. Um, a very heartfelt um, journey through his own um, spiritual journey uh, in the Lord. Uh, and lastly, um, we have a, an article called Coal Biters, which is the name of the poetry group that we have uh, here in the parish, um, which is a men-only uh, affair, which it didn't start off that way, but uh, it just seemed to be that there were many men who were writing poetry and wanted to share that. And so Joseph Matthias has got an article on that. Um, we also have um, the, the front cover has uh, a painting of the nativity and Mary Gates gives a meditation on that near the back of the magazine. Well, it's been, you know, I, I've been so grateful for your collaboration with Ben Pohl and Sarah Fink doing layout and, and editing and, and uh, yeah, thanks. Uh, all of you working on that. Uh, it's been a gift to me and to the parish. So I'm grateful for this uh, 
additional way to communicate uh, the messages about what's happening in our parish and, and about the Lord's goodness to us. Yeah, not only, um, you know, I, I, I think of efforts like the magazine or the, the podcast or the different uh, cultural events, and not only are they good for us as members of the parish to engage with, um, but they're also good kind of threshold things to bring people into. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you don't have to be an active Catholic to attend Twelfth Night. Um, and so to bring somebody maybe that you've been trying to uh, work on, you know, evangelize. That's a really good point. Have them come to something like that or have them listen to a podcast or, 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 or take a magazine and give it to them. These are, are good kind of moments of threshold to um, – they're, they're low commitment, I guess is what mm-hmm. I'm trying to say. And so it's not like you have to show up in your Sunday best on, you know, Sunday morning. Uh, that can be kind of a big jump for some people. A small little like step-by-step approach. Um, you know, I'm always thinking about RCIA. So I want to see right. our numbers increase right. every yeah. year. Um, and so these are good ways for maybe you don't feel confident to have, you know, an in-depth uh, apologetic conversation with somebody, just hand them the magazine or invite them to listen to the podcast, share, you know, share an episode of the podcast or, or invite them to 12th night or Whitson, you know, this summer. Um, and so, or, or come to Oxroast, you know, just these, these simple things can be important. I, I think that's absolutely right. We, we've talked before and, and after I gave the reading from a couple of pages from uh, John Sr.'s book, The Restoration of Christian Culture, just talking about, you know, smashing the television. He actually did recommend that and starting a fire and having conversations, uh, singing while you're doing dishes, etc. We talked about having uh, kind of an open mic opportunities uh, in Mercy Hall, but we realized that may be a lot of pressure for somebody who's just learning to play an instrument like I am, the banjo, but maybe just have an opportunity for people to come, uh, bring some food, some snacks, um, have opportunities for uh, people to, to jam, as, as they say. Mm-hmm. So look forward to those in, in 2023 opportunities. Um, should you be like me, a, a, a really very small budding musician, mm-hmm. uh, opportunity to actually have fun making music with other yeah. people. Yeah, and, and poetry as well. We could have our recitations. Mm-hmm. So often in my work at the diocese, uh, I, I come across these studies that, that talk about loneliness epidemics and, mm-hmm. yeah, and the right, amount right. of people that are living alone, you know, of, of marriage, marriage age just is going up every year. And, um, people are, are aching. We, we saw this, you know, in real particular form during the COVID p- right. uh, shutdown, mm-hmm. people just ha- having mental health issues because they were so um, isolated. I think COVID just turned the heat up on that, on a problem that was already there. I didn't, I don't think it created a new problem. I think it was already there. And so just, yeah, these, these events that bring us together, um, I think are just what people are, are aching for. And it's really something in an age where people discount our moral authority and the truths of our religious claims, they can be access points uh, into the church. Um, and we can't, we can't miss, those, uh, miss those opportunities. And perhaps you're listening to us and you feel like, I, w- I don't want to come, I, I won't know anybody. No, hear this as an encouragement from the pastor that we'd love to have you there. Mm-hmm. So come. 
And there's no you, other way to get to know anybody. Well, uh, well and, that's, and the evil one wants to isolate us mm-hmm. and for us to think, nobody cares about me. Nobody wants me around. This, I, I, I understand that, that feeling, uh, you know, but the Lord wants us to step out and to come into a context uh, where we're enjoying each other and you'll obviously be at a table with somebody else and you'll get to know them and they'll mm-hmm. get to know you. Yeah, everybody that we know at the parish at some point in time, we didn't know them. And we That's had, right. And, you know, you had to meet them. But, you know, we're made in God's image and likeness. And God is a community of persons. And so we're not meant to live isolated lives. Uh, I just want to say thank you, uh, Sean, for uh, the meditations. I get a lot of feedback from people about how helpful those are and how good they are. So thank you for that part of this and uh, for your part in getting us... Uh, uh, to get this podcast going. Thanks. So I think with that, uh, we'll wrap up this uh, this Christmas episode of, of the uh, the podcast. Uh, and with just an encouragement to keep on feasting. Yes. And if you can, join us on the 7th, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can sign up online. Uh, there's no cost, but we want to know how many people are we're expecting. Uh, when it gets to a certain threshold, we won't be able to allow more people, so register uh, Early and today. often. Yeah. <laughs> as soon as possible. <laughs> once only. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, once again, Merry Christmas and uh, Happy New Year. And uh, we'll see you again um, come uh, after After New Year, yeah, yeah. exactly. God right. bless. God, God bless. bless. path to holiness, often some of the main obstacles that we find are to do with our own sin. In the following reflection from Sean O'Neill, we examine what methods the Lord uses to purify us of mortal and venial sin, and how he wants us to relinquish attachment to anything that rivals him. Purification Ever since the fall, Humanity has been trying to find the freedom that had been lost through original sin. All of us are searching for consolation of one kind or another. In fact, human beings have an inbuilt instinct to pursue pleasure and avoid pain. The problem is, of course, that a lot of pleasure that we run after in this life can ultimately end up causing us pain. All of us are broken in one way or another. Some of us have had terrible trauma in our lives, especially growing up, and some of us have been subject to neglect of one kind or another. When these things happen in childhood, they can leave scars that seem to persist through the rest of our lives. Sometimes those wounds cause us to react in ways that are unhelpful and destructive, And sometimes we can respond in ways that are sinful and build up patterns of behavior that damage us even further. God is understanding and knows we are weak and scarred. So when we enter into a relationship with him, he needs to cleanse us and heal us. St. Francis de Sales advises us, the soul which aims at the dignity of becoming the spouse of Christ must put off the old man and put on the new man, forsaking sin. Moreover, it must pair and shave away every impediment which can hinder the love of God. 
However, this purification process can only come about with our cooperation by what might be called active purification. When we seek to purify ourselves, we are complying with St. Paul's exhortation in Ephesians chapter 4. You should put away the old self of your former way of life, corrupted through deceitful desires, and be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and put on the new self, created in God's way, in righteousness and holiness of truth. We start by eradicating mortal sin from our lives. Mortal sins are serious sins that stop us from moving forward in the spiritual life and stifle the action of the Holy Spirit. In a sense, mortal sin shuts and bolts the door on God and cuts us off from eternal life. The first step is to repent of any mortal sins we have committed by going to the sacrament of reconciliation. However, some mortal sins can be persistent. If we have repeated patterns of serious sin in our lives, then we would need to take steps to adjust our behaviour and distance ourselves from people and situations that lead us into sin. This is all part of the conversion process and must occur if we are to make any progress on the journey towards God. The next stage of the purification process is to remove from our lives as much as possible any venial sins that we are guilty of. These sins are not like mortal sins in that they don't cut us off from God, but they do offend him and hurt other people. The one motivating factor in removing sin from our lives, however, is not so much terror at upsetting an avenging deity, but love. When I give my life to God and discover that his love for me is unconditional, that Jesus came to die for me personally, and that he offers a gratuitous gift of everlasting life, my response should be to love God in return. That love is mostly conveyed to him through our prayer, when we can spend time with him receiving and giving love. And so, because our motivation is rooted in love of God, we try to remove from our lives everything that mars that loving relationship or might offend him. God loves us so much that he wants us to experience deep and lasting fulfilment only in him. But he knows that we are broken and that our brokenness makes us incapable of fully entering into the fullness of life and the joy and peace that he created for us. So he wants to purify us and wants us to make efforts to purify ourselves. The third stage of purification is removing from ourselves any attachments that we have which, even if they are not sinful, still distract us from fully giving ourselves to God. There may be things in our lives, attraction to worldly pursuits, selfish preferences, minor indulgences that we waste our time on, that still cling to us. Even these must come under the sovereign power of God and be submitted to him. It's not that we are to have no enjoyment in worldly things at all. It's just that we shouldn't place these before our relationship with God or endanger that relationship through those distractions. 
These are all ways in which we can actively purify ourselves. But they don't in themselves make us holy. Only God can do that. What our efforts achieve instead is an openness to God's hand in our lives. In a sense, when we try to take steps to purify ourselves, we are really preparing the ground for God to work the miracle of sanctity in us. And that miracle often comes about through the healing action of the Holy Spirit. Part of the purification process involves offering ourselves to God for healing. All the slights, the injuries, the trauma and the neglect that we have experienced in our lives can be offered to him. In a sense, God wants to remake us. He wants to destroy what is corrupt and sinful in us. That sounds rather daunting and perhaps frightening until we realise that the parts of us that God wants to do away with are not our real selves at all. The elements of our lives that he wants to put to death, as it were, are the very things that are holding us back from stepping into the fullness of life. So sometimes God allows us to experience passive purification, where he is the one who is the mover. Rather than our active participation in the process, we become the passive recipients of that purifying grace. Often that purification is brought to us through the trials and tribulations of life. However, even then we are not entirely passive. We can choose to angrily reject the trials and difficulties that life offers us as though they were not allowed by God. Or we can choose to take advantage of the grace God offers us by bearing them patiently and with fortitude. We can choose to feel betrayed by God when misfortune befalls us, or we can cast ourselves on God's mercy and allow our love for God to grow even in the midst of suffering, as many Christian witnesses have done in the past. None of us are here in this life forever. Our homeland is in heaven, and one way or another, this life here below is a veil of tears. In a sense, this life is a preparation for heaven, not heaven itself. Ultimately, we can choose to be purified here and now as we go through this life. Or if not, we may spend more tedious and painful time in purgatory than we really want to. We are made for heaven, but can never enter there unless we are perfect, really unless we are saints. The purification that God wants to bring about in us is aimed at making us ready to live that blessed life with God and the saints and angels that he has always meant for us to have. In the end, God loves us so much that he will not abandon us. In fact, he loves us so much that Jesus gave his life to make sure that we have a chance of fulfilling our destiny and getting to heaven. Let's soberly begin again the purification process, so that when we come to the end of our lives, we will not be shut out of heaven, but instead be welcomed into the celestial courts by our Lord with those thrilling words, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. 
Let's ask the Lord for the grace to undergo the purification he wants to work in us. Heavenly Father, we know that we are weak, broken and sinful. Purify us and help us to put off the ways of the old man and enter into that new life that you have called us into through our baptism. Help us to bear our troubles with patience and fortitude, knowing that you are cleansing us of all our impurities and give us the grace to remove from our lives anything that gets in the way of our relationship with you. Amen. We finish this episode with a poem by John Milton, On His Blindness, read by Mary Ellen Small. John Milton was a 17th century English poet and intellectual who served as a civil servant for the Commonwealth of England under Oliver Cromwell. He wrote at a time of religious flux and political upheaval and is best known for his epic poem, Paradise Lost, written in blank verse and widely considered to be one of the greatest works of literature ever written. He was the first modern writer to employ unrhymed verse outside of the theater or translations. He is generally regarded as one of the preeminent writers in the English language, and Samuel Johnson praised Paradise Lost as a poem which, with respect to design, may claim the first place, and with respect to performance, the second, among the productions of the human mind. Poets such as William Blake, William Wordsworth, and Thomas Hardy revered him. Milton collected his work in a book called 1645 Poems. The British composer Hubert Perry's setting of the ode, Blessed Pair of Sirens, was premiered in 1887 at a concert before Queen Victoria, celebrating her Golden Jubilee. In 2011, it was performed at the wedding of Prince William and Kate Middleton, the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge. By 1652, Milton had become totally blind. The cause of his blindness is debated, but bilateral retinal detachment or glaucoma are most likely. His blindness forced him to dictate his verse and prose to stenographers who copied them out for him. In the following poem, Milton laments the loss of his sight, principally because it stops him from serving God, as he thinks. But he rejects that thought because he realizes that God does not need his service. It is a blessing and an honor for human beings to serve God in whatever way they can, whether by vigorous action or by simple remaining calm in the midst of trials, such as the onset of blindness and awaiting instructions from God. On His Blindness by John Milton When I consider how my light is spent, Ere half my days in this dark world and wide, and that one talent which is death to hide lodged with me useless, though my soul more bent to serve therewith my maker and present my true account, 
lest he returning chide. Doth God exact day labor, light denied? I fondly ask, but patience to prevent that murmur soon replies. God doth not need either man's work or his own gifts, who best bear his mild yoke, they serve him best. His state is kingly. Thousands at his bidding speed and post o'er land and ocean without rest. They also serve who only stand and wait. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Resurrection Life Podcast. Please tune in next time for more conversation, reflections, and Catholic culture. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to drop us a line to give us feedback or suggest future topics to feature, write us at podcast at corelansing.org. You can find the Church of the Resurrection online at corelansing.org. Thanks for listening, and God bless.